Good morning, everybody. Uh, the, the reading this morning is in two parts. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, Ch- John chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, which is on page 1063 in your pew Bibles. And then a piece from Matthew chapter 6. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And now to Matthew, on page 970, chapter 6, starting at verse 5. When you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mike. Shall we um, pray as we begin? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you speak to us today. And Lord, would you remind us of those who are in you that we are your children. And you call us to pray. Lord, would you teach us that it isn't just words, but would you transform our hearts and our minds, our relationship with you, that we can call on you with intimacy and with awe, knowing who you are, who you say you are. And so we pray, Lord, would you fill us by your spirit right now that we would be transformed. That as when we leave this building, we would be different people because we've met with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, it's so good to be with you. Um, We're coming to a new series today, What, Why, and How to Pray. And today I want to talk to you about prayer, praying with intimacy and praying with awe. But I wonder how you would feel if you had the opportunity to learn from the very best in your chosen field at something. 
So it might be you're, you're a football fan. You're like, I could learn from Messi. Wow, that'd be amazing. Maybe you'd love to build a fire like Bear Grylls. I know I would. Maybe you would love um, to chef like Tony Fleming. Maybe you would love to look after children like Julie Andrews seems to like Sound of Music and go, how on earth do these like countless children listen to them? I struggle with one, let alone men, many. Don't know how the hills do it. I wonder how you would feel. Would you listen to that person as they explained how you could do it? How you could chef in that way, how you could live in a certain way? Well, today we, and over the next five weeks, we got to learn that from the very best about prayer. Not from the speakers, but learning from Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God. Jesus, who at his baptism, the spirit descends on him like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Jesus, who turned water to wine. Jesus, who heals the sick, raises the dead. That Jesus, what has he spent so much of his time doing in the Gospels? Prayer. And today we get an opportunity to learn from the master about how we can pray. How we can pray in a way that will transform us. But I don't know about you, it can feel quite hard to pray sometimes. We can look at what's going on in the news and go, how do I pray? We can look at our families, our friends, our work situations, our finances and go, how do I pray? Well, 53 words of a Lord's Prayer can change the way we pray. It can change our heart attitude to God and can actually transform our lives when we learn what it is to pray. Jesus has given us this prayer, the most amazing tool, the master of prayer, that can enable you to pray in a way that has power no matter what you're facing today. Whether you're smashing it life, whether you're here grieving, whether you're here confused, Jesus' model of prayer isn't just a model, it's a call into relationship with God. And in our passage in Matthew, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And um, they've spoken about giving, and he doesn't say, um, I think you should give. He says, when you give, you should do it like this. And now he talks about prayer. And he says three times, when you pray, pray like this, when you pray. When you pray, there's an expectation that followers of him should pray. And if it's good enough for Jesus and he needs it, we definitely do. When you pray, pray like this. And Jesus then teaches his disciples how to pray. And the first thing we see that he teaches them to do is to pray with intimacy. Pray with intimacy. Look with me at verse verse 5, 6. And seven here. And he says, when you pray, go into a room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And do not be like them for your father knows what you need before him. Then ask, this is how you pray. Our father. Do you see the repeating? Your father, your father, your father, our father. Jesus is making it really clear at the start how we should be addressing God. The opening line of that Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven, introduces this revolutionary concept of God as being a compassionate, loving Father. 
not merely like this religious formulary that prayer is, but an invitation to commune with God and him being our father. And understanding that significance of calling God our father sets the whole tone of how we pray. In the ancient world, the term father carried a lot of connotations. It carried a weighty authority. It carried a care and a provision and an intimacy that would feel so alien to the disciples when they thought of God. Jesus told the disciples to pray using our father. And when he did that, he breaks down any barriers of a distant God, of a deity you can't come to. No, but an awesome, holy God who you can approach and say, our father. Throughout the Old Testament, the story is of God's people not being able to come close to God. He'd revealed himself because of sin and God's holiness. It just didn't mix. And so they had to almost try and keep a distance from God. When God's presence would be there, they couldn't like look at him because of his power and his authority. And they'd been taught in the temple just to keep almost God at a distance because if they were too close, they would die. And yet to that God who's awesome and holy, God through Jesus says, you can call me our father, you can call me father. To the disciples who thought you had to keep distance, God says, come close, call me father. He reveals himself, God, that he is the father of all creation, that he wants to be with his people, that he is a loving parent. But maybe you're here today and you're like, I didn't have a good father. So I find it quite hard to think of God as my dad, as my father. My dad was abusive, maybe, or he was absent. So is that who God is? But throughout scripture, God reminds us what type of father he is. And we sing it quite often that he's a good, good father. That's who you are. And God reveals his goodness and his grace through Jesus to us. That means that we don't have to be afraid to come to him as our father, thinking he's going to ignore us, abandon us. But knowing that he calls us close as a loving parent does. In the first reading that Mike read for us from John, it says this in John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent nor a human decision or husband will, but born of God. Everyone in the world is made in the image of God. And we're all almost like broken mirrors of who God is. But not everyone is children of God. To become a child of God, in our passage, it says we've got to believe and receive him as who he is. And when we do, we become his children. And therefore, we can call God our father. Working in the city, um, a number of years ago before the church, um, I remember starting a company and I was like um, one of the juniors. So I had a boss who had a boss and my boss had a boss who had a boss whose boss was the CEO. 
And um, so I don't know if anyone's ever been in that position and you're sort of in, uh, that's your sort of place in the hierarchy and it's great, obviously, in so many ways. But um, if my boss phoned me on my work phone when I started at work, I like freaked out. I had a proper millennial like hide. I want to hide away from my boss. What does he want? What's he seen? Or if I answer the phone, I'd answer it, sit up, bolt upright and speak, speak the perfect English I could, try muster and try and say all the great things I've done. But I'm slightly afraid that I've done something wrong. If my boss's boss would have phoned me, I'd be freaking out and be like, what do they know? Is it redundancy around what is going on? But if my boss's boss, boss's boss's boss, the CEO phoned me, what would be going through my mind? I'd be like, someone else answer the phone. I can't speak to this person. I don't want to. Like, I'm scared. They're the boss. Boss's boss, 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 boss. And I'm here. But there are other people. And I remember working with one who... um, uh, And she would answer the phone from a boss's boss, boss's boss, boss, boss. In such a just open way. She'd be like, answer it. And she would go, hi, dad. And it's because her understanding was the the boss's boss, 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 boss. Wasn't how I'd see the boss's boss, boss, boss. But it would be her father phoning. And sometimes I wonder for us, do we see God as that like CEO, sort of boss, 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 who's out there to try and trip us up or seen some stuff and we're a bit afraid? Or do we see God, the creator of the universe, king of kings, lords of lords, as that father who longs to speak with us and we don't need to be afraid of, but we can go and speak to him and share what is going on. We don't want to be like the millennial Gen Z thing of like hiding away, but we can hear from God through his word and in prayer. I love this quote from Tim Keller. He said, the only person who wakes a king at 3 a.m., for a glass of water, is their child. And you and I can approach God in that way, the King of Kings, whatever time of day, and pray, our Father. You might want to consider the prodigal son to see what God is like. The prodigal son is a parable Jesus tells to illustrate who God is as Father to us. There's a son who goes off on this reckless lifestyle. He's taken his share of the inheritance and spun it all on all different things. He's completely screwed up. And he decides, I can't live in this way physically or any other way. I'm going to have to go back to my father, but I'm going to go back as a servant. He realizes he's wrong. He turns around and he expects rejection and judgment. But what does he see and what's he receive? A father who runs to him, hugs him, puts a party on for him. That's the father, the type of father we have, our father in heaven. And when we say our father in heaven, we have a father who is both kind compassionate but who is also in control straight away when we address God our father in heaven we're praying to someone who is above time who knows the beginning from the end who knows the number of hairs on our head and knows exactly what's going to happen to every kingdom of this world with a father who is in control and so we can pray our father in heaven I remember being at um, uh, an interview for medical school and I had one of those questions. I don't know if anyone's had one of these questions where there's no like answer. You basically are going to get it wrong either way. And so I was asked at medical school, so would you prefer to be a doctor 
who is kind and compassionate and good with people, but not very good skillfully? Or would you prefer to be a doctor who's very skillfully, but not great with his patients at all? What would you prefer to be and why? And I remember thinking there's no great answer. Who, um, what do I want to be? Maybe a surgeon's better than some size than this. Trying to answer it in a certain way. And sometimes we think that with God. Well, God, maybe you're kind and compassionate, but you don't really have the ability to act. Or maybe you have the ability to act, but you're not kind. When we pray our Father in heaven, it debunks both of that and says, no, we have a kind, caring Father in heaven who has the ability to act. Not like a medical school student who doesn't know which one to go for. So when we pray to our Father in heaven, we pray to a God who wants to listen to us, who wants to hear from us, who loves us and has the ability and authority to act. And we, when we pray like that, we meet a father who longs to be with us. And so know today you can pray with intimacy to God as father because of Jesus. Secondly, you can pray with awe and we need to pray with awe. Jesus continues, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus shifts this focus from this declaration of a father in heaven, this loving, compassionate, to declaring God's holiness. The word hallowed is actually a term which means to to be set apart, to be revered, to have fearful, to have awful. God, through Jesus here, commands us to pray. He commands us to pray, actually. Hallowed be your name. We start our prayers with intimacy and in awe. Hallowed be your name to realise who we're addressing when we pray. Yes, Father, but the creator and sustainer of everything, King of kings, Lord of lords, judge and everything else in it. That is who we are addressing. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are recognising him for who he is and ourselves for who we are, that he rules and reigns. And God's name represents more than just a name you might give someone. God's name represents his character, his nature, his authority, who he is. So to pray, hallowed be your name, is to pray, Lord, would your name be glorified? Would you be glorified? Would people see who you are? It's a plea for his name to be treated with reverence, not with abuse. A name to be treated as holy for who he is. Praying hallowed be your name is Jesus' first command for us in prayer, to pray for God's name to be honoured again in our land. And we definitely need to pray that. Praying God's name to be hallowed does something to you and I when we pray it. When we pray that, it shapes and changes us. It turns the attention from us to God. It doesn't say, hallowed be Will's name. Hallowed be the prime minister's name. No, it says, hallowed be your name. Your name. Sin is a man turned in on himself, caring about his own feelings, thoughts, his desires over God's ways. 
hallowing someone's name, hallowing God's name, saying, no, your name, all about you. It's all about you. And so when we pray, it changes us. It calls us to our knees in surrender before a God who is holy. At Focus last year, which is a time where we all will go away um, together on our summer holiday, end of July, you can put it in your diaries. Um, There was a guy called John Tyson, who's this American pastor who was speaking. And he spoke a a little bit like from actually this passage, but also passages in Revelation. And he said this, the angels have been locked in a room with God for thousands of years and they still haven't got past the word holy. Holy, holy, holy. We don't graduate out of seeing God as a holy God. No, we need to rediscover and live in the fact he is a holy God. The angels throughout scripture are seen being around God and just declaring his holiness. I wonder, do we see God in that awe way? The true word of what awesome means. You're holy, holy, holy. So doing that changes us, but it also changes prophetically what we're seeing around us. To pray, hallowed be your name, says, Lord, would your name be honoured in my family? Would your name be honoured by my colleagues, by Rishi Sunak and the parliament and government? Lord, hallowed be your name there. Would they submit to your will, your way to honouring you above everything else? How different would our nation look if that happened? To recognise God as king for who he is. To recognise there's no other name by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. Hallowed be your name. So to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is to pray with intimacy to a God who longs to hear from us. But it's to also pray with awe and surrender for God's name to be hallowed and honoured again. To pray and just have one side or the other gives gives us an unbalanced way of seeing God. To just pray and see God as that Father We see him as loving and kind. But if we're honest, we feel like we can get away with just what we want to do. And we have a God who just will love us no matter what. And while that being true, we want to live a life that honours him and his holiness. But at the same time, if we just see God as holy and we can't come close, we recognise his lordship over our lives and want to honour him but we can do it out of fear rather than out of love. And so doing this calls us to come to God in this loving way that he's revealed himself to, but in a way that is in surrender to his holiness. A.W. Tozer described it like this. The greatness of God, that hallowedness, arouses a fear within us, but the goodness of God encourages us not to be afraid of him. To fear and not to be afraid. And for you and I, my prayers, as we journey what it is to pray, we'd hold those two together and not be on one side or this side, but to pray with both intimacy and awe. And in doing so, that to learn, that's how we pray. 
To pray like this brings us a security in our relationship with God. To reveal that we're loved children if we've come to Jesus. But also a humility to recognise who we are not and who he is. We want to be people not like those hypocrites that Jesus talks of. People who can spout the right words or say long prayers. To say the 53 words in the Lord Prayer like wrote, as if you're just saying like the signs you see on the motorway. But forgetting who we're speaking to. To live in the way of praying with intimacy and awe will change us as a church for the better. And will change you and I in our understanding of who God is and the mission he wants for our town. And so each week we're going to unpack a little one verse to discover a bit more what it is to pray. But these 53 words that we have in the Lord's Prayer, we're going to pray together. And I want us to pray after quieting our hearts to realise we come before a holy God and a God who invites us to come to him and pray. So let's quiet our hearts. For some of us here, we might want to kneel. Others there. It's more about our heart posture before him. Pray, come, Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray these words not just as words, but as if our life depends on them. So the God who is holy wants to hear from us. So we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.